Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. How is everybody doing this fine day? Are you doing all right? Good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be with the people of the Lord. And when it's cold, it's just warmer in here, right? It's warm to be within that fellowship. And uh, I want to welcome all of uh, those of you at all of our locations that got out on this cold day. Let me tell you something about you guys are the Marines. You're the special forces. Like you're not going to let anything stop you from that fellowship and that oneness that we share in Christ. And for all those of you that are watching online, you're lightweights. But I'm just, I'm just, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm so glad you're joining as well. We can all be one family serving and loving the Lord together in whatever circumstance that you are in. And, uh, you know, I, I have to admit, like you, I'm sure have to admit that some of our plans for 2021, they probably have kind of fizzled out. I hope you're still working on some of the things that we've learned in this new year, new you, going through these core 52 verses. I hope that's been a, a, a blessing to you, but you know how we are that we, we struggle and we falter a little bit. Well, there's still hope. There's still hope. And uh, I think that what I'm gonna share with you today is that one of those, uh, it's one of those sermons that kind of encapsulates them all. How many of you are into this whole concept of happiness? Are you into that? How many of you'd like to be happy? How many of you think that you have some capacity to be happier than you are right now? All right. All of our locations, I, you know, I, I think that's true, and, and, and I want you to grab a hold of that uh, today, okay? Maybe that's something that you can take home in some special personal way today. And I don't know if you can tell or not, but I really en I enjoy food. It makes me happy. <laughs> I, I don't know what would give you that impression, but I do. And uh, when it comes to food, uh, I think everybody has a favorite meal of the day. My favorite meal of the day is breakfast. Show of hands, how many, that's your favorite meal of the day, breakfast? Yes, you guys are, you have the Holy Spirit, and he's in you richly and mightily, and the rest of you, we have steps later on that you can come up here and, and you can repent and say, God, help me to, uh, to appreciate the uh, most important meal of the day, which is breakfast. And one of the things about breakfast that I really uh, enjoy are the smells of breakfast. And I don't know about you, but there's nothing that gives me more happiness than the smell of frying bacon. How many of you are like, you know, bacon aficionados? Like, yeah, yeah, oh, it's incredible. Um, if you go to like one of these uh, uh, stores that you can actually buy bacon like 15 pounds at a time, and uh, it lasts for a long time. And, and I'll tell you what's really great about when you buy it like that, it's restaurant bacon. And you don't have to, how many of you just really get frustrated when you try to peel that off that one pound bacon? It never works right, you know? These are actually individually done and there's wax paper in between. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I, bacon is a big deal to me. It really is. And uh, if, if Allison is up first and she's making it, I can't stay in bed. It's like, I mean, I have to get up and follow the smell of the bacon. The other smell that I think is really great is the smell of toast. Do you like the smell of toast? Like right now, I've got toast in the toaster and I'm smelling it and I'm getting happier. 
just from just from smelling toast toasting in this toaster and there's only thing one thing better than just happiness because of breakfast is sharing it is sharing it so i'm going to ask some uh people that were on stage at the 48th street campus a little while ago to come and share my happiness around my toaster so if you'll come out and 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 share in my my happiness yeah you smell what i'm smelling is it is it doing something good for you right now yeah, it is. It is good. It's a multi-grain, so it's healthy. You know, there's multiple food groups, nuts and whatever, you know, and that. So it's good for you. And it's 45 calories. It's really good, you know. So uh, toast is a great thing. And I just would like for these people to share in my happiness, all right? So uh, you can go ahead, John. You can uh, get that. Uh, sorry for those of you locations that don't have a toaster. and your, your worship team is now wondering, why didn't we get this today? But... But is it, is it perfect? Is it right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's good. But you know, it's not good enough. Because toast is better with butter on it. How many of you would agree that toast is better unless you're one of those dry toast people? Like, you know, so, so you want to get some butter on there uh, uh, and serve your uh, brother and sisters in Christ with some toast. And Yeah, see that? Look at that. That's special. And don't do any of this margarine stuff. What are you doing? And even worse than that, the spray. You know, some of you guys do the spray thing. That's for deodorant. That's not for butter. Come on. The spray thing? Really? Seriously? You know, we need some lightly salted butter. It comes from a cow. It's organic. It's the way God intended, right? Right? How are you doing with your, with your, with your toast? And, oh, it's wonderful, right? I want you to enjoy that. I really do. Hold on. I appreciate the fact that, <laughs> I appreciate the fact that, you know, that, that this makes you happy, but I would like for you to be happier. Would you be okay with being happier? Okay, well, before service, and, and this is, a, this is a, a Quincy thing, so uh, all of our other locations, you need to be blessed by this at some time in your future, because as nice as toast with butter is, it's not as great as a Kelly's cinnamon roll. Can I get a witness? Oh my. And some people might say this is sinful, but I'm just saying this is blessing. This is just a blessing that God, and I'm, I mean, I open this thing up and it hits me in the face. Like, oh yeah, you want what's in this little, I want to share that with you, okay? So, so I've got four of those up here and all I'm asking is that you just leave me a little bit, okay? So John, you can you can share that, and uh, really, yeah, toast. Who wants toast? Buttered toast when you can have this? Like this is like true happiness, and, and yeah, and oh yeah, go, oh, right there, yeah. You notice that they're eating the part that's got the icing really thick, and that's good. a lot of the joy of of this cinnamon roll is the icing. So the only thing that make you happier than a Kelly cinnamon roll is extra icing. So here, here's extra icing, because I want you to be happy. I really do. I want you to be happy. Okay, in Psalm 1-1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, and none of you are listening to me. Because what you're doing is watching people that are getting completely immersed in happiness. Behind me, they're like, and part of, and some of you right now are going, I feel 
like I'm being gypped in church right now because, you know, the, the right thing to do would have been to buy Kelly's for everybody at all locations and pass them out right now so we could all enjoy that happiness together. But then I would have to explain to the elders why I use church money to buy all those. Cinema. I, can't, I, I, really, I really can't do that. Well, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because in the original language of the Bible, whether you're talking Greek or Hebrew, in Psalm 1-1, it uses a word that you cannot adequately translate in English. In Greek, it's the word makarios. Everyone want to say that with me? Makarios. And in Hebrew, it's the word ashray. Say that in Hebrew with me. Ashray. And you know what it means? It means like so much blessedness, you can't contain it all. So much happiness, it goes beyond your ability to manage it. And I can see you're watching their happiness and it's bothering you right now. So I'm going to ask them to go off the stage because, yeah, it is. It, so just you enjoy that back there. Enjoy your happiness. Yeah. All right. It means a sense of utter satisfaction. So when David begins the first word of the first line of the first psalm of 150 psalms, he uses this word. We cannot adequately translate utter satisfaction beyond your ability to even, as a matter of fact, ashray in the Hebrew language means actually if you were to translate it literally, it's blessednesses. Blessednesses. And you may not connect with that yet biblically. Let me give it to you another way. If I were to come into your house, you would invite me to your house or your apartment, and I was to look on the walls. Some of you don't have very many relationships, so it's Hobby Lobby, you know, pre-made art or whatever that's up there. But a lot of you actually have pictures that you took on your smartphone, and then you had them blown up, and then you went out and bought a frame and a mat for them, and you captured this moment Maybe you, maybe you and your spouse, you doing something, your family doing something together, something like that, and then you put it up on your wall. And I'm not talking about like, like a portrait that you, you had a photographer do for you, but I'm talking about a moment that you captured and you go through your thousands of pictures that are on your phone, and that one is so special. That moment that was captured there is so special. You feel like it needs to be blown up. It, it needs to be corrected, you know, uh, color corrected and all of that, and then you frame it. Because every time you look at it in your house, it takes you back to that moment. And it's, a, it's like a moment you wanted to freeze in time because it reminds you of a particular amount of happiness or blessedness that you'd like to relive over and over again. As a matter of fact, I think there's a lot of us that would like to have more of those. How many of you have had those moments, but you'd like to have more of those moments? Me too. Where you just walk through your house and your house is just filled with moments of incredible happiness, incredible joy. I think that's normal. I think that having a desire to pursue happiness is normal, uh, normal. And we want to find a way of multiplying those frozen moments, right? I do. I want more and more of those. As a matter of fact, it's not about things or any of those the things that we tend to pursue in life. It's about those moments because those are what are really most valuable. Here's the reality, though, for many of us. 
all of us at one time or another, that the pursuit of happiness can turn into the perversion of happiness. What do I mean by that? It's when we sell out God's form of happiness for a more temporary happiness. A happiness that might be temporarily there, but then has these terrible repercussions that actually cost way more than the temporary happiness. Now, some of you are connecting right now with me, right? Have you ever noticed that with like, have you ever been to a restaurant and they sit you at a table and next to you, or maybe just one table over, two tables over, there is, there are people that are engaging in what they consider happiness. And usually there's a lot of alcohol involved and then it just kind of gets louder and then it gets louder and then it gets like obnoxiously loud. And then the time that you thought you were gonna have that was gonna be good sitting down in this restaurant kind of goes away because they're just like completely unruly, right? Have you ever experienced that before? Let me tell you something. They are experiencing happiness in that moment. I'm not denying it. They're experiencing happiness in the moment, but it is temporary in nature. There's no permanence to it. You can find that kind of happiness in lots of things that don't have anything to do with God, whether it's drinking or sexual euphoria or material things. But the truth is, it's a counterfeit to the real thing. And that counterfeit temporary nature of that kind of happiness, it can turn on a dime. I mean, in one moment you can be happy, and the next moment it's like, oh my, what kind of a mess am I in, right? And sometimes we don't realize just how temporary something like that can be. I don't know how many of you watch stocks or the stock market, but there was something really interesting that's happened in the last two weeks. It happened with Reddit and with GameStop. Now, there are other uh, stocks that it happened to, but it, it happened particularly with GameStop, uh, GameStop, which is a Wall Street stock, and this uh, whole concept of what's called short selling. How many of you ever heard of a hedge fund? or a hedge fund manager. See, hedge funds tend to be short sellers. What do I mean by that? They're investors who bet on stocks to go down instead of up, and they make money when a stock goes down. Okay, so there was a whole lot of short selling that had been done on GameStop, GameStop and these retail Reddit investors, just regular people, got together and drove the price way up. So all the people that were betting on that going down, they lost $19 billion in just a few days because the price of that stock just soared. One, just one Reddit retail investor invested $54,000 and in like two or three days had $48 million. Some of you want his number. Right, it's like, I would like to do that. Well, why am I telling you that? Because that's what Satan does to you. It's exactly what he does to you. Satan is the ultimate short seller. He short sells us. He bets against us. So what he does is he says, I'm going to give you all this temporary happiness. If you do this, I, you can be happy. You do that, you can be happy. You do this other thing, you can be happy. All this temporary happiness. But he's betting on the fact that you'll sell out for that temporary happiness and the permanent, the real thing, you'll give up for the counterfeit. 
And what happens is his return, this short cell return, is your misery and whatever destroys any possibility of you ever receiving the, oh, the true happiness that only comes from God. He's been betting against all of us. Now I want us to look at that scripture again, Psalm 1, but let's go through all six verses. David writes and he says, blessed, how blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners that they take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. Sign me up. Not so the wicked. They're like the chaff the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, the pursuit of happiness on God's terms is a lifetime journey, and it's a journey that we walk through. Wouldn't it be good to have some guidance to avoid the wrong things along the way? David addresses these key points, like where are you going? Who are you following? Who are you walking with? And it's interesting that in Psalm 1, he starts with the negative. So what David does is he goes, here are all the things that you don't want to do, and then he pivots and he says, here are all the things you do want to do. So we're going to start with the things that David says you don't want to do if you want the kind of happiness that only God can give. And he begins with this concept, does not walk in step with the wicked. So it's about walking. They don't walk in step with the wicked. What does that mean? Is there a way I can understand that better? Let me ask it to you this way, and I think you'll grab it a little bit better. Does it... Who is influencing you? What is influencing you? Walking in step with the wicked forces you to ask the question, who or what is influencing me? Is it influencing me, whoever I'm walking with, is it influencing me to the counterfeit happiness or to the real thing? How do I spot it? How can I spot the counterfeit? Let me give you five ways you can spot counterfeit happiness, all right? Number one. Counterfeit happiness, or anyone that would be peddling that you might be walking with to influence you, they deny that the Bible has the answers for what you're looking for. Because the Bible does have the answers that you're looking for. And if they're leading you in a different direction, you are walking in the counsel of the ungodly. You're walking in the wrong direction. Number two, do they, or does that this practice exalt personal pride and in doing so, steals the glory from God. Is that happening in your life where you're getting the glory for yourself or someone else is getting the glory but not God? Number three, does it or does this person deny the need of a Savior and instead trust in yourself or they trust in themselves, himself or herself? Number four, does it reject moral absolutes and embrace relative goodness. Where you can just say, well, I maybe not be doing all the right things, but I'm better than this person or that person. Number five, does it seek selfish pleasure instead of the pleasure of God and the pleasure of others? Those five questions can really help you 
when you're trying to decide, are the people that are influencing me, are they a good influence or a bad influence? And, and I'm just asking you, who inf who's influencing you right now? So if you've been walking around a while, you might get tired of walking, and the natural thing to do is just stand there, right? Take a breather, kind of stand there. And that's where David goes next. He says, or stands in the way that sinners take. Well, what does that mean? It means this is where the influence on you has been adopted by you, and now you are defined by that influence. It becomes your personal behavior. I remember going to juvenile court with someone when I was uh, ministering in Indiana, a, a, a parent, because their daughter was in juvenile court. And the lawyer for this daughter said, she has just been around bad influences. And I remember what the judge said. He said, well, that may have been true in the past, but now you are the bad influence. And that was hard for a parent to hear. And sometimes that's true because that's the nature of influence, isn't it? That the influence of others have on you might become you. It might become your own definition of your life. That behavior is defined who you are. You don't just drink anymore, now you're an alcoholic. You don't just take something that isn't yours, you're a thief. You didn't just lie, you're a liar. Right? The verb becomes the noun or the subject. You become that. And if you walk in the counsel of the wicked, eventually you're going to be standing in the way that sinners take. And if you get tired of standing, you know what people do when they get tired of standing? They sit down. And that's where David goes next. Or sits in the company of mockers. Now, this is defined by that last word, mocker or scoffer. Now, what's happened to you? Because this is progressive in nature. If you pursue this temporary happiness by allowing this influence to become your own definition of life, you not only have been influenced, you not only have become what that influence has led you to, but now you look at the people around you who remind you of who you used to be, and you find them deluded and laughable, and you become cynical toward them. The Bible says this is having a seared conscience. And this is what the counterfeit does. And this is how Satan robs you. Now listen, he doesn't just rob you of happiness in the present. He robs you of the happiness you had in the past, and any possibility of happiness in the future. That's what Satan does. Let me illustrate that. This is where you go back to your house or your apartment and you have to take the pictures down that you put up before because it's got things that remind you of things that used to be great but now aren't anymore because of decisions that you've made. The marriage is over. This is where you have to put all of your possessions in boxes and you have to move to another city because you've worn out your welcome in the city that you were in before and you need a fresh start. That's where that kind of counterfeit happiness can take you. But then... David pivots in Psalm 1, and he takes you to the genuine article, the real thing, real happiness. This is happiness that lasts. 
This is happiness that doesn't have bad side effects. This is happiness that will not rob you. And instead of losing, being short-sold, this is where happiness compounds and grows and grows richer and deeper by the day. David says that his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, I, I know that that can trip you up, it trips me up. Like, really? What does it mean to be, like, delighted with the law of the Lord? I mean, let's read the Ten Commandments every day, or what, what, what am I supposed to do here? The way I understand this is not just the law of the Lord, it's the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Do you find delight in the word of the Lord? Are you using it as a guide for life? I want to live my life according to the word of the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you why that creates permanent happiness. Because there's a permanence to the word of the Lord. I mean, there's actually a scripture that says heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away, right? God's word doesn't change. I love that about God's word. There's an eternality to it right? It doesn't change. It doesn't bend to culture. It doesn't bend to politics. It doesn't bend to current events. Because God's word is more than just words on a page or pages in a book. God's word is the revealed heart and mind of God himself. When you are reading God's word, God is revealing his heart and his mind to you. And that's why you need to be a believer when you read it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, it says, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived. Listen, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Boy, there's, that's happiness. But it's not happiness like the world sells it. It's different. In verse 10, it says, These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit, which means you can have it, right? The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. You go down deep into the heart and the mind of God when his spirit works with you when you read his word. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. That means you get into God's word and God reveals to you things that go beyond human understanding. The finite starts to embrace the infinite because you are getting a journey into the heart and the mind of God. Now let me tell you something else about God's word and the eternality of it. His mercies are new every morning. I can get in God's word and I can get into it an hour from now and, I, and there's more, same passage. I can get into it a day or a week or a month or a year or a decade, and it's just more. It's a bottomless pit because it's the infinite of Almighty God. Look what Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's why David says he meditates on it day and night, because every time you go back to God's word, there's more. Every time you dip down into the word of God, there's more, and you will never find the bottom of the well, and it will never run dry. That's the effect it has. Here's something else it does. The unchangeable nature of God's word has the power 
to export itself, that characteristic, that unchangeable characteristic, into my heart and into my life. Well, what does that mean? Well, since God's Word never changes, and it gets inside of me, no matter what my circumstances are, it will not upend me. It will not upend the state of my heart. And I will be like David describes, a tree planted by streams of water. I get all the nourishment I need. My fruit yields itself in season, which means I will be productive in life. It says that my leaves won't wither, which means the circumstances like the weather, they're not gonna cause me to break down. I'll, I'll survive and whatever I do, David says, I'll prosper. And then just watch as the interest rolls in and God makes happiness not just flow, but overflow. Let me explain that. So we can look at the Ten Commandments and all these things that God tells us to do and not do, right? But if you have happiness on God's terms, none of that even applies. I'll tell you why. Tenth Commandment, thou shalt not covet, right? Happy people don't do that. Happy people don't covet what other people have. Why? Because they're fine. They have everything they need. They're happy. They're content in what they already have. So they don't covet. They don't need to lie. They don't need to cheat on their spouses. They don't need to murder other people. They don't need to dishonor their parents. They don't need to take what doesn't belong to them. Why? Because they are filled and fulfilled with the happiness that God has given them. So what happens in your life? Well, your pictures, they stay up on the wall. Your relationships, they grow and they, deep, they deepen and they go richer. And the satisfaction in your life deepens and grows richer and better every day, every month, every year. And those are the moments that I want to multiply in my life. The ones that are filled with the effects of walking with Jesus. Question is, where are you right now? Where are you? Are you walking in the counsel of the ungodly? Are you standing in the way of sinners? Are you sitting in the seat of scoffers? Do you feel paralyzed? Do you feel like your joy is gone? Do you feel like there isn't any hope for you? <laughs> I, I love the picture of Jesus going to people who are paralyzed because some of you feel paralyzed. You feel paralyzed by your past, your history, all this stuff, right? And Jesus used to go to people who were paralyzed and he would go to them and he didn't comfort them. He said two words to them. Do you know what those two words were? Get up. He just said, get up, get up. You think that you have traveled so far from God? You're wrong. All you have to do is look around. He's right there. You can run as hard and far as you can from God, and he's right there. And he has two words for you today. And those two words for you are, get up. Leave that seat of cynicism. Get up from that seat of lies and hopelessness. Get up and stand. Stand. 
In Ephesians 6, four times, it says, this is one thing that we can do when Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be in battles. It doesn't mean that life isn't going to hurt. It doesn't mean that sometimes circumstances are going to be bad. But no matter what happens, you can stand. And once you stand, just like when Jesus said, get up, what was the next thing he said? Walk. Get up and walk. Walk away from those self-righteous, self-serving attitudes and walk toward Jesus. You think it's hard to walk toward Jesus? Let me tell you how hard it is for some people to walk toward Jesus. Lepers walked toward Jesus. People were throwing rocks at them. And they had to yell unclean and cover themselves. And people were, they were throwing rocks at them. But once they made it to Jesus, Jesus made them clean. Walk to Jesus. Lepers walk to Jesus. Blind people walk to Jesus. Think about how hard it would be for a blind person to walk to Jesus because he can't see him. But they still did. And if lepers can walk to Jesus, and if blind people can walk to Jesus, can you walk to Jesus? Let me tell you somebody else. There was a demon-possessed man. He didn't walk to Jesus. He ran to Jesus. He fell down before Jesus, and it wasn't long before he was in his right mind. Walk to happiness. Walk to fulfillment. Walk to the real and not to the counterfeit. You hear what I'm saying? Because I'm looking at this thing right now, and I can smell it. Forgive me, Lord. It's just an illustration. Taste and see. The Lord is good. We're moving to a time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.